Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wherever you are, we're here with you. That's like the beginning. It feels like it sounds like the beginning of like a Backstreet Boys song. <laughs> you know, they came to concert here a couple weeks ago and I'm kind of <gasps> kicking myself. Yeah, I come, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't Joy. go. Well, it was at like Green, whatever it's called. the Fiddler's the, Green. Yeah, Fiddler's Green. And I was like, I don't want to travel down there. You guys, this is where snobby snobbiness kicks in and I'm just like I don't want to drive that far <laughs> it's like it's like less than an hour yeah that it's far. not that far but it's also just a part of town where I'm like oh it just yeah, sounds it's exhausting like hard place hard to get to because I live to mo- I live close to most most yeah, of the you live like a cheap popular right away from most yeah, of the other venues yeah. I the only time I've ever when I was like in early high school I was really into like pop punk like mm-hmm. um like I don't know like fallout boy and <laughs> Not even Fall Out Boy. That would be, I would consider that to be like pop emo, like Green Day. Okay. And like, I like randomly, I have seen Green Day in concert more than anyone else. Okay. Next time they come, will, will you go with me? Because they're my favorite to this day, the best concert I've ever seen. Honestly, like I could kind of take or leave their music just like if I'm driving, but they do have such good concerts. Oh, the concerts are, yeah, I'm not going to sit and, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like turn on Green Day while I'm having my coffee. (laughs) No, definitely not. But I appreciate their music so much just because they're Green Day. I get very attached to bands and like their relationships with each other and because they've known each other since they were like 10 years old. I just get into the stories of that. I'll totally go with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing them at Red Rocks. And probably I was like 14. This would have been like 2002 or 2003. Then I saw them at the Pepsi Center in probably like 2004. Oh, I bet you I was there too. I went to the Pepsi. The Pepsi Center one was so fun when all the confetti like fell and like. Mm -hmm. And I was on the floor. So was I. (laughs) We were probably next to each other. Probably just danced right by you. We never knew what was to come. So fun. I mean, I was like, I was young enough that I couldn't drive myself to either of those concerts. Oh, that's so funny. I went with a guy. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> um, in general, I'm not that into live music. I feel like for me, I just don't experience, I don't like crave that sort of like experiential music. Like to me, music is something that's sort of like on in the background. Okay. Not like Scott Parrish level. No, of, and I, I appreciate it. Like, it. sure, this is I appreciate not the way that, that too. most people, yeah. like a lot of people, I mean, live music is like part of their personality for sure. I just and I don't begrudge that at all. I'm not like, oh, what are you doing? Like, I get it. I'm just not that person, mm-hmm. which is saves me thousands of dollars a year, probably. <laughs> Same here. I, I, I am not at that level, and. I will go to see people I like have a really strong connection to, but I don't get into it on the level of like Scott, where he's going to at least one concert a month, at least. Right. Because he and just I, has to see live music. And then I think there's another like subset of that personality type, which is music festival people. Oh yeah. Music festival people. I was actually just talking about this with my, when I got my hair cut and she was talking about like how she goes to this dance, but we were talking about Burning Man Coachella and Bernie Man and Coachella are like their whole own personality trait, but separate. (laughs) Right. Exactly. They're yeah, they are definitely in the DSM five. So the uh, festival that she goes to is just kind of like this local dance festival that's at the uh, Broncos stadium parking lot. And like, they do that every year. Maxine went to that. Oh, she did. Oh, how fun. And I could totally see how it would be like a young clubbish vibe. Yeah, and you like super have your fun. Outfit, yes, and you have like the whole thing. Yeah. So I was talking to her, and I said, 
I, you know what, there's a part of me that really wants to experience it once, but I would just have to do a lot of drugs to get through it. Like, and then I'm also like, I don't do drugs. So that might actually (laughs) be a really bad thing because I don't know if I'd enjoy it. But anyway, basically I'm like, I do I need to experience Burning Man at least like once in my life just so I can get dressed up or should I just let that go or Coachella? You know what? You could dress like that and just go out to dinner in Boulder. Yeah, it's true. It's (laughs) true. Because I fit in in Boulder. Yeah, people would be like, oh, look, that lady is going to get some sushi. (laughs) But you know what? Like, it just feels like it's It's an experience that you. I feel like I have some friends. I have some friends who are like lifelong music festival people. Yeah. Um, I have. Do you have friends who will like be the three days in a row fish people? Oh, 1000%. Yes. I, I have don't those people. Get it. Please also tell them Gypsy Kings. People. Like, please make it make uh, sense widespread to me. Widespread panic. Please like, make it make sense to I, me. I, you know what? To, let's be honest. Look, though, like, look there I have those friends. I, I do too. And I don't, I mean, okay, let's, I'm going to out myself here and just say that I cannot stand jam band music. I can't either. In the same way, I also don't even really like jazz. Okay. I, I, I have no opinion about it because I'm not, I have not like steeped myself enough. No, into no, no. I, yeah. I think if I were to like, I, I think jazz, again, I don't want to like slam jam bands because I don't know anything about them. To me, jazz is more like culturally interesting. Yes, so I can appreciate it for from sure. From the standpoint of like, this was a huge musical, you know, like there's so much. There's so much history there. History and yes. culture there. Yep. But I'm not going to, I don't like it as like. I don't like listening to it. And for the same reason that I don't like listening to jam bands, which is that in my brain, I need a song to have a start, a stop, like a chorus. Like I need yeah. to be able to follow along. If I'm listening to a song and I look up 20 minutes later and I'm like, is this the same song or are we on a different song now? Like I'm not having a good time. My brain is not enjoying that. But are you okay with the 10 minute version of the Taylor Swift? No. Okay. What the hell is the <laughs> name of that song? I, don't I just know. listened I, to it yesterday. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, all too well. Yeah. I mean, I guess fine. Like, again, I can sort of a- appreciate it objectively. Like, oh, that's an interesting artistic decision, whatever. Yes. But like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, 10 minutes of this. Give it to me. Like, yeah, I just not. I don't know. My brain needs a little bit more structure in my music listening. Yeah, I, don't I can like appreciate that. Just sort of long rambling songs. Yeah, and I don't either. So that sort of precludes me from most music festivals. But I also can appreciate that if you're, I mean, I get it. Like if you're there with your friends and you you have outfits and, you know, you might may or may not be taking some substances that help <laughs> you just relax when it, the song just keeps going forever. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, it's, inter- it's an interesting thing. And I, I'm glad we're talking about this because it is so interesting to me because I do, we do have those friends that will go to three nights in a row of fish or three, three nights in a row of whatever widespread panic. I I work like with this guy who he's a little bit newer to the team. And so recently at a sales meeting, he he did like a little, you know, intro to me sort of like slide because he was giving the presentation. He's like, you know, I know a lot of people here don't know me yet. It's like, here's a little bit about me. Uh And one of them was that he had been to like hundreds of widespread panic shows. Oh no. When they hold that as a badge of honor. And I was like, uh, or I used to go, I'm going to have to worry about you. To be clear, I used to go to a gym in Broomfield and I loved the owners and it was called widespread CrossFit. Okay. Because of widespread panic. That guy was so into widespread panic that he named his business after it. Yeah. And okay. I, there's a part of me. So just before people get upset and think we're like trash talking this, there's a part of me that wishes I could get into something like that. 
There's a part of me that wishes I was obsessed with one thing, with one band, with a sports team, with a football team, with a basketball team, to where like you're getting all the gear and you're getting all amped up to go to the concerts and it's like a yearly thing with your friends. There's a there's a part of me that wishes I had that bone in my body and I just don't have it. Like I just don't care enough to be like yeah, let's go. And I think it has a lot to do with when I was, well, I've always been this way, but I've never been kind of like in the scene. And I know that not everyone goes and does drugs and drinks a lot, but I associate that with in order to really like have fun standing around and tailgating for hours beforehand. Like I'm not going to just sit around and I don't know, play games. It's just there's a part of me, it's like, you kind of have to do some drugs or drink to like sit there for hours. I don't know. Maybe I, not. Okay. Maybe a more, a more accurate way, maybe like a less um, blanket Judgmental. statement way to say what you're trying to say is that for me personally, to find something like that interesting, I don't imagine I could be engaged in that for that amount of time. For that amount of time. Unless I you. was intoxicated. Exactly. Yeah. And that is not something that I personally find a lot of joy in is like being intoxicated for an entire day. No, I don't enjoy that. And I would probably be asleep before the band took the stage. So right. that's a whole nother issue. Anyway, and it's 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 impressive for those of you who do that. I would go to three nights in a row of like Britney Spears. I would 100% go to Vegas and see her if she like went to do her residency again. And I'd just stay right. in a hotel, the hotel that she was, I would do that 1000%. So like we say, we'd never do this, but there are people out there who we do find like culturally significant enough, who we do feel connected to. That's enough, true. And that if you were to say, Hey, that's true. Britney's high, high, you know, headlining Red Rocks for the next three nights. We'd be like, yeah, I'm buying all, I'm going all three nights, all three nights. And I'm wearing a different outfit every night. Yeah. And I'm tailgating and I'm, because to me, that's a once in a lifetime of right. <laughs> once in a lifetime event. That would be a once in a lifetime event. Yes. Okay. So we are we've come walk, full circle. We are walking that back. That you did not tell us that Backstreet Boys came to town. Yeah. Uh, and that Green Day is the best live show I've seen. You know what? Let's see. Let me rank a few. I will yeah, say you have seen, despite everything you just said, you do go to live music. You're you are on like the higher end of people that I know at least who go to okay, live music. And part of that is because you're married to the, someone who who loves. is obsessed with live music but not only that scott has this talent i mean you guys know we talk about scott having this talent for gifts scott has a talent for tickets yes he does he will find the box seats or the front row like he has orchestra seating miraculous hours before the concert's gonna start for 80 dollars. yeah he and i you guys sat almost on the floor for bruce springsteen yeah and you got those tickets like that day that day and they were like under 100 bucks yeah yeah like that doesn't happen. No. And so he, but I call it good karma because he, I say, I'm like, you always have good ticket karma because he will give tickets away. Like if he has tickets to a show and he's like, I just don't want to try to sell these. He'll give them away to somebody. So he, he's very much like this. I don't know. I think it's like good juju because he's never like trying to make a bunch of money off tickets. If right. he he's ends not, up not being not able turning to turning around and then reselling no. those seats for $500. Like yeah. he is very much just like, Oh, yeah. he sees it. I, he totally sees it as like a, um, what's her He wants for? to give away an experience to someone else and he doesn't yeah, want to like, charge them for it. Yeah. Like he's like the, what's that? What's that? Oh my gosh, just like altruistic. Word. Yeah. Like he's like the purveyor of the secret tickets. Yes. In the same way that he is like the purveyor of like the super niche, perfect gift idea. Like Scott is a curator. He's definitely a curator. Mm-hmm. That's such a great talent because if there's a show that I want to go to and the main secret guys, it's not like really a huge secret, but he has all the ticket apps on his phone and he will scour them constantly because tickets drop last minute. 
all the time. So you just have to be really persistent. You can't just look once and be like, well, there's no tickets available. You have to look throughout the day. And so he will do that on his breaks. When he's on calls, right, he'll just he's like scream. Yeah. He's getting the tickets from people who were like, oh, we got four seats. And then our two friends weren't able to come totally. at the very last minute. Their exactly. babysitter got sick. And now it's 90 yeah. minutes before a show starts. And we just want someone to use these tickets. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, it's really a gift. But uh, like, if I'm ranking, I just have to get this out of my system. I'm thinking of like ranking the shows, like I want to hear if you have favorite shows that you've seen, because the ones that stick out in my mind, well, just because it was really fun that my mom went with me, but we did see NKOTBSB. So we saw New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys, I want to say it was 2010, 11, 12, around there in Arizona. So my friend Cindy, my mom and I, went and saw them. And that was real fun because Kevin, was it Kevin? Maybe it was AJ. I think it was AJ. AJ walked right by us and we were like so excited. (laughs) That was a great show. But Green Day just lives in my mind as one of the most fun nights of my life because, and then they just played at Lollapalooza. And so we watched them live at Lollapalooza on Hulu. And that was just so much fun. We were like dancing in the living room because it's just, they're so They're so good at what they do. They're so good at doing live shows. And they always bring people on stage. And it's just the energy is just phenomenal. And then I will say any Arcade Fire concert that I've been to has been magical. And I went to the Green Day concert with this guy I used to date named Jerry. And uh, who goes to my cross or when I was going to CrossFit, like still goes for my CrossFit gym. And I ran into him the other day in our neighborhood. He still lives in our neighborhood. And I got to say, it's always like a jolt to see someone you dated, even if it's like 15, 20 years later. And also like you've seen him a dozen, a dozen times. Like all the time because he would go to my CrossFit gym. It's not like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen him in years. No, it's so funny. So like the other day I was taking JT to the vet and I walked out and he was right there and I was like, oh, hey, Jerry, how's it going? But Evie anyway. just snuck in here and she's telling me to shh, be quiet be so that Maxine doesn't find her. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you guys, she's just like hiding behind the door. She's holding onto the doorknob. Just shh, be quiet. Why are you in here? Are you hiding? She's in because, because, because. No, I leave that picture here, please. <laughs> right, hey, you can be in here. You have to be quiet, okay? I said, Evie, if you can be in here, we have to be quiet. And she goes, so Maxine doesn't find me? <laughs> yes, that too. Oh, goodness. Okay, so do, what are your favorite shows? Like, um, like off I the mean, top of your I head. Saw my very first concert was Christina Aguilera and Destiny's Child opened for her. Oh, no. You did not see Beyonce in like the beginning days. That's amazing. Early, yeah. <gasps> so that one's really memorable. I mean, what was your first concert? My first concert. Don't laugh, you guys. My first concert was Amy Grant and Peter Cetera. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about that. Yeah, I... Evie? I'm on the phone. I'm not going to be quiet. I am talking. But you have to be quiet. I can't be quiet. No, no, no. You have to be quiet. Andrew, you have to be quiet before Maxine fights. Maxine's not going to find you, me. She, I'm supposed to be in here. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that was really memorable. I saw NSYNC, like pretty much just all my kind of early teenage concerts. You know, I saw NSYNC when I think it must've been at the Bronco stadium. And I mean, yeah, I, when I saw green day, that was really good. I went to this concert in at red rocks called punk rock on the rocks. And I was like 14. Like I should not have been at that concert. (laughs) There's things that I'm like, I should not have been at this show, but like my friends who had older siblings would always take us. And my parents were just like, okay, sure. 
And I think they took us to like a Duran Duran concert. Anyway. I mean, my first CD, and I'm not, I mean, I probably was like six or seven years old, was Boys to Men. I should have had that CD. No, you should. Well, my first record that my aunt got me was like a virgin. And my mom was probably, I was seven. My mom was probably like, "Mm." hmm. Thanks, Aunt Laura. (laughs) What's the worst concert you've ever been to? Oh, my God. The worst one was, okay, my friend and I went to see, I want to say it was Jason Mraz, which he was phenomenal. But I think Howie Day either opened for him or like, I don't know, this was probably like 2005 or six. So Jason Mraz was like in the height of his Jason Mraz-ness. He did great. But then I think Howie Day did some like follow up or opener. I can't remember what the direction was or if he was before or after, but he shows up late and he was so wasted that he just like walks on stage, grabs a keyboard and starts doing like one of those like slide things or maybe it was like one of those slide guitars. And he just did some like random music for like 20 minutes. And everyone's like, you know, we really want to hear the song that's like really popular on the radio right now, not some random stream not of consciousness. Not you just like freestyling? Yes, we and it was horrible. To hear Howie Day freestyle. It was horrible. And so we just left, but it was like, oh, poor Howie Day. He's not doing too well. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad, bad, bad. Not a good day to be Howie Day. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's really funny. I would say it wasn't like a bad concert per se. It was just really weird. I saw Flight of the Concords, but at Red Rocks. Oh, yeah. You told me this. That it's like, it just wasn't the venue for that. It just that. wasn't the venue. Yeah. It was like their whole sh- whole show was basically, I mean, I don't know if you guys, if you, if Flight of the Concords is not familiar to you, this is a show like sort of this borderline like, sketch comedy. I would compare it to like Lonely Island guys. I've never seen Lonely Island, but Lonely anyway, Sandberg, all those guys on SNL. Yeah, the red. Right, it's and- like a, it's a very sort yeah. of like SNL spinoff yes. vibe of a of a show. It's a you know New Zealand based show, and these two the two main characters are these comedians, and they ended up, and they also like part of it was that they sang these sort of like silly songs. So they ended up going on tour and it, but it was just like the whole show was set up like a skit. And so it would have been great if it had been like a small venue and it had sort of right. felt like you were at like a yeah. open mic site sort of thing, not at like a giant, huge, wor- you know, world open. renowned, like almost stadium. Yeah. Cause we saw Tenacious D with Jack Black. Oh, that uh, would be so fun. In, in, in a small venue and it was perfect. And it was yeah. so fun because, because you need like that, you need that small, energy. yes. Yeah. Like the first thing that they did. So they had the stage set up where there was just like this couch on the stage. It was empty, obviously, like they hadn't come on stage yet. And so we're thinking, oh, cool. They're just going to like sit on a couch and hang out or whatever. And then the lights go out and the lights come back on and they're just both on the couch, like pretending like they're sleeping with like blankets over them. And they like slowly rise and like look at the audience, like where the F are we? And it was so funny and it was such a good show. I love Jack Black so much. He's he's the I best. I love Jack Black. Yeah. That would be a really fun to see. It was okay. Great. Okay. So that's probably enough reminiscing about live music. And <laughs> this I'll, has been the music 101 show. This has show. been the live music episode. So before we move on, let's take a minute to talk about our favorite sponsor, Ned, the CBD products that we love so much. You can check them out at helloned.com. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off any order. 
I love their daily blend. I do the 750 milligram blend. They have lower concentrations and I think they have one higher concentration. So if you are still kind of dabbling in CBD and trying to figure out what is the correct concentration and dosage for you, for me, 750, it's a little bit on the higher end, but I find that I have to take less of it and I feel like it starts working a little bit faster. But if you're someone who's sens- whose system is a little bit more sensitive, maybe you'll want something lower. If you're somebody who's used to kind of taking more stuff, maybe you'll want something a little bit higher. And then I love their mellow magnesium drink powder. This is something there it does not have CBD in it. It's magnesium and a few different botanicals and minerals. And they really just help relax my system. I like to take it before bed. It really helps me just chill out. Or if I've had a really hectic day, like if something went wrong at work and I've just had that feeling all day of like, I'll take it even just like right before dinner. And it kind of just helps me chill out as I go into the evening and helps me kind of feel like I'm able to shed the like skin of that day. Mm-hmm. I've been starting your routine of taking, not the brushing the teeth after or before. What do you do? You brush your teeth and then you take your magnesium? Oh, I say magnesium is a little then, bit earlier. And then I oh, brush my it's teeth. Oh, like, it's the CBD. Well, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I do brush teeth and then CBD. And then your CBD. Got it. Well, I've been doing just the mellow magnesium at night and that's been lovely. I'm reading on their website right now of all the great things that are in Mellow, we encourage you to check it out because they have so much transparency on their website of where their products come from. And if you did not hear the episode with one of the co-founders, Rhett, you can go back and listen to that episode. We really get into the mission behind Ned. As you guys know, if you've listened to the po- this podcast over the years, we don't like to promote products that we don't use and love ourselves. So please support the podcast. Thank you so much, Ned, for supporting our podcast. All right. So this weekend, I was on a hike with my friend Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. And we started talking about Diane Sanfilippo's newer podcast. And I think there's maybe a couple, you know, a two dozen or so episodes out there already. I haven't heard I think I've heard one or two episodes. And but like we've been following Diane for a long time. And I think we're going to try to have her on the podcast here pretty soon. But it just started this conversation with Amanda and I around this like post diet culture culture, like people who have been advocates of diets in the past who are sort of coming around and saying, wait a minute, that was maybe I shouldn't have been doing that. Or, you know, it's time for us to like reexamine that and move away from it. And we were talking about the difference between being the person who says, hey, this is what I like, this is what's out there. And here's how you should notice that these thoughts are like, are influenced by diet culture. And here's how you should influence these, notice these patterns are influenced by diet culture. And here's all the stuff that we've been taking for granted. And it's all diet culture, diet culture, diet culture versus the people who are just sort of like living their lives outside of diet culture and not calling it out as much. Right. And I think this is something that we've talked a lot about when it comes to body image, that sometimes it's even more powerful. You know, you see somebody who has a post where they're not looking as like posed or polished as maybe, you know, most people would. And the caption is all about how, you know, they posted this photo anyway, even though they don't look amazing because it doesn't matter what you look like and you should just like take photos anyway. And versus the person who posts that photo and doesn't call out like, Hey, you should post the photo anyway. And it's just like, Oh, day at the beach without calling out. Like I went to the beach and I was nervous about putting on the bikini, but I did it anyway. And kind of that, the difference between the person who's still in it by virtue of the fact that everything they do is still sort of like, here's how I'm not participating in diet culture. And the person who's just sort of like, eh, I've 
moved on and like, here's my life. You just don't. It's really not even in you. your. It's not even a point of. Yeah, contention. it's not in your vocabulary. It's not in your periphery. It's not, it's nowhere to be seen. And I think that's a really important distinction. And I know that people feel very differently. There'll be a lot of comments when we talk about this about like, but I really needed to lose blah, blah, blah. And I was so proud of it. And I actually really loved when people would comment on my weight. And I think there's no black and white to this conversation. Like with anything, it really depends. But I can't help but think about the larger picture and influence that diet culture has on us. So that's where I go with it is great for you if that is something that you can do and kind of like the quote unquote healthy mindset of it all. But I just have this, I guess, what I feel is a personal responsibility to really shed light on how damaging diet culture is as a whole and that it will always be present. So we have to be even stronger talking talking against it and making people aware of how, how easy it can just slip into your life how easy it is. And that's what is important to me. Not about every single person has to jump on the anti-diet train, but that is just my lens because it's it's everywhere. And I worry about people and I see the damage that it does to people, whether it be in my practice or in personal life. It's not, I'm not speaking to everybody. I just want to make that clear because I, I know we'll get an email of someone who has worked really hard to lose an amount of weight for whatever reason that they wanted to. And that's great if that's something in your life that you have a personal relationship with that's good for you. Like we're not, we're not bashing that. I'm just saying bigger picture. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, I think that it is hard for me when we'll post things about like, hey, stop coming on, to, commenting on people's bodies for better or for worse. Just find something else to talk about. And inevitably we'll get a few messages saying like, but I want people to comment about my body. I've been put a lot of work into it. And and I want people to notice. Part of me wants to like take a step back and say, but why do you want people to notice? Yeah, it's really interesting. I recently, this brings up, uh, someone commented on my shoulders that I have not, I haven't had a comment on my body in so long. And this was like some, a person, like an acquaintance in real life. It wasn't like on social media or anything. It kind of jolted me. Like I almost wanted to, I was very dismissive. I was trying to turn the conversation away because they kind of like kept asking questions about like, well, how do you do that? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's kind of genetics. You know, I just was like really passive. Yeah. Like I, I just, if you look at my dad, it's probably not hard to tell where I get my body type. <laughs> like, So all that to say is I'm grateful that I've been so far removed. And I think that you and I have developed like a safe place corner of the internet where that is just not talked about. And if you want to go to a corner of the internet where that exists, like, go, that's fine. Everyone has the will to do whatever you want, clearly. I was struck by how impactful that comment was because it just isn't in my life anymore. And I don't talk about that stuff anymore. And I don't really absorb it anymore. Do I see things that I'm like, ooh, ew, I don't want to go there. Yeah, I notice the contrast much stronger. Because when I see someone who's posting things that are really like, eat this meal for this effect on your body and this type of diet for this abs, whatever. It's very much like, oh, yeah, I used to kind of be in that world. And now we're really stepping away from that. Or we have been. And that was just really, it was something where I was like, whoa, I haven't felt this like weird, cringy feeling in a long time. Right. Like I think it is part of this is that within diet culture, so much is so normalized and has been for a long time. And especially if you're somebody 
who is in their 30s and 40s, which I think, you know, the majority of our listeners are, it was something that was so pervasive as you were growing up that it just, you didn't give it a second thought because it wasn't, there wasn't an alternative. Like it was just, if you grew up in mainstream culture, then these are the things that you grew up believing and you didn't question them because that's just how it was. You know, you didn't think to yourself, like we talked about the Victoria's Secret documentary a couple weeks ago. A lot of people have sent, have sent us this song that somebody wrote in that same time frame that's like, I know Victoria's Secret, she was made up by a man. But like when you were growing up, you didn't question like, oh yeah, this person, like this is the pinnacle of beauty society. Like, and you don't even think like, oh, society is saying that you're just like, this is what it is. You're a teenager and this is, or you're in your early twenties and this is like, is what it is. And the conversations didn't exist then around even having the awareness to like step outside of that and say, but why is it that way? It wasn't even questioned. It was just like, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And sure. People would be like, oh, this isn't realistic. These are, these people are airbrushed in magazines, but the airbrush and magazine thing was where it stopped. It wasn't like, this is a homogenous body like viewpoint. It was just like, oh, you know, real people don't look like that. These people are airbrushed. Mm -hmm. Not like, hey, we should stop and examine why this combination of characteristics is desirable. Right. I think that that is something that I take for granted is sort of having the awareness to stop and say, you know, again, like back to somebody who's like, well, but I want people to come into my body and asking yourself, well, why do you want them to comment on your body? Like, what is it about your external? What are you, what kind of, like, why are you looking for that particular flavor of validation? Why do you want people to see that you've gained weight and or lost weight and praise you for that? Why do you think that that is worthy of praise? Like you have put, sure you've like put in hard work, but like what about that is, do you feel is worthy of external validation or in not even worthy, but is in need of external validation? In need of external validation. I'm going to just project and think because I'm like, I'm making assumptions. I'm like, you know, just based off of our culture is thinness is praised. Thinness is historically, well, not historically all the way back, but just in the past 20, 30 years has been the quote unquote standard. Everything's in air quotes. Therefore, smaller equals better. Right. I mean, I, I get it yeah. uh, from from that lens. I like from the diet culture lens. I agree, and that, but that's what we're saying is like, let's why? Stop, let's yeah. stop worrying. Like, why? Let's stop. Are we yes. Still, can is there a reason that is not rooted in the prioritization of thinness mm -hmm. that you would want external validation for weight loss? Right. I don't have the answer for that. Maybe there is something out there. I can't. To me, it's hard to imagine that. And I think a lot of people would say like, well, it's because I put in a lot of work and I want that work to be validated. But then why? Why can't someone just come up to you and say like, hey, I've noticed that you've really been working hard at eating this certain way and good job on your hard work. That's not a comment about your body. It's like, hey, I've noticed that you like that recipe looks really good. I noticed you've been putting a lot of effort into trying new foods lately. It looks like you're, you know, really working on eating more vegetables. Like that's awesome that you're doing that without comment, you know, like right. that to me is a recognition of like you're putting in hard work. Hey, I've noticed that maybe, you know, like mealtimes or eating or like food prepping or like food planning or grocery shopping, whatever was always really stressful for you. And now you're doing this like food prep system and your really good, good friend can be like, Hey, I've noticed that you started doing that. It seems like it's really helping you out. That's so cool. I'm so glad that you found that. That's not a comment about your body. No, it's just, I think this goes into some of the discussion we had with Molly. I did this on the Girls Gone Wad feed and we had a bit of conversation with Molly Barr about intuitive eating. And that's one way of looking at things, but how it's not black and white, how it's not one thing or another thing. A lot of things can be true at the same time, but that once we open the door to say, well, what if I want to eat healthy, then that's feeding into diet culture. And it's like, not really. And I talked to a lot of people about this in counseling too, of they have a really hard time of kind of separating, well, if I try to exercise and eat right, I'm feeding into diet culture. 
I'm like, well, not necessarily. It's how you feel about yourself and the and the voices that you, that are in your head around it. If you're sitting there going, I gotta, I gotta hustle, I gotta grind every day because I have to be fill in the blank diet culture right, statement. Like, Never miss a Monday. Like I gotta get it, you know. And, and you're coming at it from this like, if I mess this up, that means that I'm lazy. That means that right. I'm, you know, yes, and, yes, and yes, equating yes, yes. those things with negativity about yourself. Versus like, hey, I'm going to try really hard to get to the gym on Monday because I know that makes me feel better. Exactly. And I know that sets up my habits in a way that takes less effort. Same action, different, different motivation. Yes. And different internal dialogue. And I think the internal dialogue is really key. So I think about that piece of it's fine if you want to eat fruits and vegetables more often. If you want to eat, I don't like to say healthier choices. I don't really understand that. But I think it's, if you want to objectively look at food, sure, there's foods that nourish your body differently. Okay. So like those things that are right, just a neutral a wide fact, fact. Of, right. Choices and plants and non-processed foods. And my, I mean, I think that we've talked about this years ago with EC Sinkowski, where it was like, we try to give uh, in the same way that it's all about motivation. We also need to be honest that like, you're not getting the same nutrition from a donut that you are from a salad. And I mean, those are two wide variety extremes, but like, but that doesn't, the problem is that, you know, we've has, we've assigned. Yes. Like, and it's very black and priority white. Yes. Like, well, moral then that priority. Makes right. Salad better than a donut. Like, well, it just doesn't, it's not better or worse. It's just two different things. Like you would never sit there and be like, well, my pajamas are, this is a bad example. Cause I think you would say your pajamas are better than like a work suit. But like, <laughs> you never say like, hey, my blue leggings are better than my black leggings. Like, they're just different. They're just different. And I think that is the neutral mindset that is a helpful stepping stone to get away from the constant just diet culture buzz. Yeah. But but at the same time, we need to acknowledge like, yeah, there are some choices that are going to be more nourishing to your body than others objectively. Right. So let's not pretend that they're not. I, but at the same time, let's not pretend, let's not make it something that it's not in like a moral sense. Right. Let's, let's, let's not make not, it say something about you. Let's not demonize a donut. Let's not demonize any food. It's just like, if you, I no mean, one's, <laughs> no one's saying that don't, no one's saying donuts are healthy, but what we are saying is like, there's nothing wrong with eating. They're them. delicious. <laughs> and that's been the problem is it's been very black and white where it's like, if it's not healthy, you shouldn't eat it. Like, right. no, right. We're not saying it's he- so. Then people say like, okay, well then if the only things that can go in the you can eat them category are healthy things, then I'm going to try to justify why these unhealthy things are healthy. We're saying like, just get rid of only healthy things. I can only eat healthy things. and say like, I can eat whatever I want. It doesn't matter if it's healthy or unhealthy, quote unquote, like it doesn't matter the micronutrient content or the fiber (laughs) content or, you know, whether this is a plant or a donut, but I'm maybe going to try to take that information from my body after I do eat it and think, okay, how do I want to feel? And I'm going to use some objective information about how I feel after I eat certain things. Use that to inform my decisions about when I choose to eat what. Yes. And I think the kicker, what you just said is objective information is we can't, I shouldn't say we all, but most of us cannot. And I think we're getting there collectively, hopefully don't know what it's like to just be objective about food or our bodies. We cannot, we can't. So we really need to work on that piece of just being super objective of like looking at it for what it is. And if you have a reaction when you see someone posting food or post, like I see, let's take Emily Schumann, for example, who has the cupcakes and cashmere blog that lives my dream life in Los Angeles. And she's always posting the most delicious treats and candies. And, and I see people comment and they're like, 
how do you keep so thin by eating all this? And I just want to like go through the screen and be like, why, why did, why is that a problem? You don't know her genetics. You don't know her diet choices and who cares? Just like, why does it matter? Why, why does it matter? Be, right. But people want to go there right. because then you're equating a type of food to having more weight on your body. And that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So anyway, it's that's just what diet culture has done to us. I think, you know, the original comment around this of this whole topic is Diane's new podcast, which is great. It's called Full Plate. I've only listened to a handful of episodes, but it's a nice turn to see what she's done over the years. And I think a lot of us have kind of evolved and pushed up against the social media diet culture crap that is constantly coming at us. But you know, this is just a friendly reminder that if you're following someone and those emotions are coming up of either negativity or diet culture, posting pictures of their bodies before and afters. If it makes you feel bad about yourself and you're kind of like, oh, I should do this or I should be doing that, maybe give an unfollow or mute it for a while. What is your opinion about posting pictures of bodies and before and afters? I'm not for it. I think there's no way that I've ever seen that just like there's no motivation for that that I've ever heard that to me passes of like body neutrality check. There's no way to compare side-by-side photos of yourself or anyone else that does not inherently lend itself. Prioritizing thinness. To saying one is better than the other. Yep. I don't, you know, and the question you need to ask yourself is like, what beauty standard is being upheld here? And the one, something right now that makes me crazy is people who will enter bodybuilding competitions and say, well, I just want to see what my body's capable of. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. And I'm doing that an experiment. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I just want to experiment. <laughs> I just want to, I'm doing this to learn. Like, I just want to see what my body's capable of. Then they, and you know what, if you, if you want to go on that journey and keep it to yourself, because you are curious about your personal body and what your, what this experience will personally feel like to you, I'm not going to begrudge you. But when I see it with somebody who has tens or hundreds of thousands of followers and they're posting about their entire process, they're posting the progress photo, quote unquote, progress photos, they're pro- posting before and afters that there is this inherent visibility to that where maybe I'm just missing it, but I'm rarely am I hearing people say, Mm -mm. Hey, I tried this and it was a horrible experience. Mm -mm. And I, it took, you know, my hormones months to recover and it took, and I was grumpy and irritable for weeks. Like I can imagine that's how I would feel if I put my body in that position is it like mentally it would be very challenging. And we've talked about bodybuilding before, like, but that I feel like is the line I hear a lot lately. It's like, well, I'm just trying to see what my body's capable of. I just want to like push it to this limit and see what happens. And to me, yeah, let me just try to starve myself for months on end and work out when I have no energy. Like you have to, to see, be in like, a deficit are- in order to get to look that way. So, I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole for hours, but that to me is an area where I'm still seeing this a lot. And it's like, listen, you can't put those photos side by side and not expect people to view your competition body as something that you're saying that like this you're is the praising that over- version. Yeah. Right. And that's and whether really, or not you, you know, you personally believe that when you're putting that out there, that's what other people are seeing. That's and what we're yeah. There is a responsibility to people who post things to like to say, like, well, I'm just posting it. People can take it however they want. I mean, to a degree, that's true. You can't control how people are gonna react, but you have the responsibility to not post things that have like, it's one thing if you post an opinion and like somebody takes it the wrong way and you're like, well, I can't control if you took that the wrong way. If you're posting a before and after picture, it does feel like the responsibility is to know that like people are going to look at this and see the before and after you're going to look at the after and say like, oh, this person is prioritizing that. This person is inherently telling me that that is better than the before. 
There's a lot of anti-fatness in there. There's a lot. Yeah. I don't, I like prove me wrong to quote JK, help me understand because I, that is one area that I will, it's hard for me to budge on that because there's. I hope JK doesn't mind us like using that all the time when we're like <laughs> in a bad mood. Help me understand. Just go to his podcast and listen to it because it's really good. That is just one area that I have a hard time budging because it does not make sense to me. It perpetuates this really horrible cycle, the diet culture that we're really trying to push against, make a difference. Now, if someone has this influence and is saying that this is what my body can do and you're literally on a stage, people judging your body, what the actual... So I think, I mean, I think before and after it's take many forums, people are still posting them for a variety of things, but anytime that you post one photo of your, a photo of your body next to another photo of your body, I mean, this goes back to how we open this conversation about like people posting photos where they maybe, you know, they have visible rolls or cellulite or whatever that in the past would have really been uncomfortable for them to post. And they're calling it out and saying, I never used it, would have posted this photo, but now, you know, I'm learning how to be more comfortable with it or overlook it or just not see it. Versus the person who posts that photo and is just like day at the beach and doesn't even call it out. I think the like opposite of that is still the before and after where it just invites you to pick apart every piece of their body. That's what I have to say about that. That's that's <laughs> all we can wrap up in this episode. That's <gasps> that's going to be an ongoing discussion. Okay, let's wrap up with a couple quick announcements and reminders. The teacher lists is still on our highlights that you can go support the Amazon wish list for the teachers. And I am going to be adding to that this week. So I'll post about it on our stories. If you're a teacher, I'll probably post today. We're recording Monday morning. I'll probably post about it today or tomorrow and then put those new stories up on Thursday after this episode comes out. So if you are a teacher who has missed the memo up until now we and you want to have your list, um, if you want us to put up your Amazon wish list, email it to us at thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. It needs to be an Amazon wish list. We don't have the bandwidth to post people's like individual lists of items. It's just easier to handle the wish list with the address. Make sure you have it completely set up. It's not hard to do. If you don't know, just Google it and email it to us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your name, what you teach, where you live. That just kind of helps people like feel like they're a little bit more a part of your story. If you want to send a picture of your classroom, obviously without the kids in it or a picture of yourself, like feel free to do that. I'll post those up. And then the older ones from that we posted a couple weeks ago are also still in our Instagram highlights. Great. Did we ever find a home for those pillow covers? I don't think so. (laughs) If you're missing some pillow covers, please email us. And then I just want to say thank you to everyone who wrote about the colonoscopy advice. That was amazing advice. Thank you so much. As well as the uh, dental products advice. I got a cavity last week. I always get cavities. I asked for advice for like products that I can use and I got some really good ones. So I will just keep posting those if you guys want to know the tips for how to prevent cavities and I'll let you know if it works. All right. Pete and Kim broke up. Let's just gloss over that. Blah, blah, blah. What else? Kardashians. I was like, who? Pete and Kim? (laughs) Do do we know them? Yeah. Pete and Kim, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. (laughs) And we'll share some of those colonoscopy tips. Maybe Joy, after you got yours, you can say like, oh, I tried this. I would do it differently. 
next time. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can find us online at joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Ned. That's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. Don't forget they have a 30-day money back guarantee for first-time orders. So give it a try. You have nothing to lose and support the products that support our podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. We will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.